Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Violent Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Morgala, where I interview violence from around the world discussing practice tips, and career advice, and so much more. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification, so that way you get notified for when new episodes come out. It also helps out the Violin Podcast to provide more great interviews for you. And in today's episode, we're going to be speaking to the founder of 3D Music, who in Cleveland, Ohio, they're creating 3D instruments using 3D technology. So I'm really looking forward to informing you what is the latest and greatest in 3D technology, but also in the violin world, because they're specifically making 3D printed violins, everyone. So this is a great, great interview that I hope you get a lot of value. Let's jump right in. So Matthew, it's good to talk to you. And I know you're coming off of the CES 2022 show. And you are, you're, you're a man that I really wanted to talk to because what you are doing in the music industry and trying to create instruments using 3D technology. So I'm so curious how that idea came about and how you decided to, you know, create musical instruments using 3D tech. Right, yeah, so I am a former cellist. I played throughout junior high. Um, obviously instruments are quite expensive. I don't actually own a cello anymore. Um, I, I rented one as a lot of people do. Um, and you know, they're very expensive. Um, come to Case Western Reserve University, you know, they have a big makerspace think box, um, do a lot of 3D printing there. And then you're like, well, what if I combine 3D printing and music? Um, so it was basically like, well, these instruments are expensive. Can I make them sound as good as wood, but be more durable and more affordable? And the answer was yes. And why start with a violin? Well, they're the smallest. Um, easiest to uh screw up on <laughs> truly yeah i mean i was taking a look at your page and you you've you have like a quarter size violin and i think is it are you also having like an eight size violin is that right are you making those two or is it just like um strictly quarter size so we have a quarter size which I actually have one of right here and then we have our new full size that's in development i have one behind me um and actually, we just showed that for the first time at CES. If you see any purple and green uh, violins in our photos, that would be our new full size. It's a purple body and a green neck. That's awesome. So did you get your degree in engineering? Yes. Yeah, so I have an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering and theater with a technical concentration from Case Western. Um, and I got that in 2020. And then actually... The violins were my master's project, so I now have a master's in mechanical engineering from Case Western with that design focus specifically on the violins. So that makes perfect sense for you to, you know, combine music and, you know, what you've learning in mechanical engineering for this 3D tech and go yeah. straight into your master's, making that, making that like your master's thesis in some way. So exactly, that's, yeah. that's super exciting. Yes. So when was the moment when you're thinking you know, maybe I can combine these two. Was there someone who kind of 
influenced you to, you know, pursue this idea or was it completely like just by accident? How, how did that turn about? So I knew of the existence of 3D printed violins. I mean, I have to acknowledge someone else in the street, uh, Hovalin. They, um, you know, Thinkbox actually printed one of their violins years prior. And I was like, huh, but it didn't, it didn't quite have the same sound as the wooden instrument. It didn't quite sound like what, what I really wanted and knew that, I mean, a little bit of work could put into, you know, getting that fuller sound, that cleaner sound. Um, so, and that durability up, I mean, it used, it used a carbon fiber rod. I kind of didn't like the added weight of that. You know, I wanted it to feel and sound better. I'm like, okay, this will take some engineering, but it's doable. And um, I think based on reading off your website, did you work with a luthier um, in, in the Cleveland area to help design the, the specifications of the violins? Yes, I worked extensively with uh, Max Morgan. Um, he's a luthier up in Cleveland Heights. Um, very excellent luthier, wonderful person too. Um, um, it's great to find a luthier who's, you know, young enough and open enough to try, you know, plastic, because I know that really isn't something a lot of people might be willing to uh, experiment in just because it's not traditional yeah and that that would, that would be my first interpretation because you know right now i hear right over here I have, a, I have a wooden violin yeah and of course this this technology with the wood and the strings and everything has been around for hundreds of years right and then you introduce an idea where you bring this 3d printed technology into music do you have any plans on expanding outside of outside of just the violin because i mean i'm sure there are other i mean other areas where you can you know extend to the for the 3d tech i mean you're a cellist oh, yeah. do you think there is is it possible to have a 3d cello that is actually one of my end goals i want an instrument i can play gosh darn it and um <laughs> i can't play a violin there is no way i can play a violin i was able to do mary how little lamb on the ces show floor and that was after practicing um, and that's because I knew the fingering from cello. So I was just like, okay, make it smaller. Um, I do want to make larger instruments. Of course, the, the barrier there is the technology. So at some point, that's probably going to involve me building a bigger 3D printer that specifically is designed for this application to make, you know, anything bigger than a, a small full-size viola. Or you have printed like other aspects of like the three of the 3d instrument and then you kind of combine it together right would that would that be something that you would do definitely you could do that um i i really like the way that these come together i mean if you if you look at one right here yeah it's really just two pieces of 3d print plastic throw on some you know regular old open machine guitar tuners wooden bridge and some strings and you know you got a violin pretty easily that is pretty impressive. Now, I, I do I do have a question for you in regards to the bow because you know on your website you're selling quarter violin size like full sets, right? With the violin, yeah. is the bow also three D printed or is it is it something completely different like a carbon composite or like carbon fiber? You, you've got right there. It's like it's a carbon fiber bow. You know, one of the you can't really beat horsehair for a bow. There isn't really anything that comes close that I know of. Um, and, you know, carbon fiber is affordable, it's durable, it kind of meets the durability of one of these things, you know, you can toss it around, be a little rough with it, and it's a lot more forgiving than a wood bow. And quite frankly, why reinvent the wheel when the cost margins just aren't there? Right. And I guess 
I can I can totally see this being used in the market for like a quarter size violin. Actually, as a matter of fact, before this interview, I was teaching a group of like three or four year olds, no lie. And I can totally see this violin being used in that kind of group setting because, um, you know, you have like a teacher and then you have multiple teachers and you don't have parents around and, you know, they could be banging on stuff <laughs> and they're de as, as much as you would like to try to teach them, okay, you got to respect the instrument, you got to respect this you know, kids are kids and eventually something might get scratched or something might break, especially if it's wood. But with this 3D, 3D printed violin, that's not the case. Um, no, not at all. Have, have you done specific testing with kids on this? <laughs> with kids, no, but I mean, this one was dropped on the floor about 30 times at CES and I'll move it nice and close to the camera. You can see there's no cracks in it, nothing wrong. I just see a little bit of dust, yeah. A little bit, a little bit of dust. This this traveled both directions, as did all the violins in my checked luggage. Just throw it in, throw it under the plane. No padding, no nothing. Yeah, this was just checked luggage. Just checked luggage. I think that is also like an, another interesting point, and I'm hoping that like as the years go on, that like you know 3D tech gets better, because for me, and I'm sure for a lot of other violins on the pod uh, who listen to this podcast, have an issue with traveling with their instrument, right? And oh, their yeah. instruments are very expensive. And with airlines being very stringent about the overhead bins, it's very difficult to bring a, a very valuable instrument and convince the people working over the counter in the airlines to say, no, I cannot check this in. This is a very valuable instrument. So um, have, you, have you thought about that in the design process that you're going to be eventually maybe selling this product or selling this violin to someone who will potentially need to travel with it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the part of why they were thrown in my check luggage in both directions was to test their durability. They were just fine. Um, I certainly know about traveling with instruments. I mean, I've traveled with guitars. I've traveled, I actually traveled with a quarter size violin on the way back from CES. We had one meet us there. And, it, you know, it's not nearly the, you know, expensive tier you're talking about. It's like a $200 guitar center, you know, cheap machine made violin. It was such a pain, um, you know, and like these, quite frankly, you can throw these in like a bag. You can, you can put them in a case, that's fine. You can travel with them in a case, but if they're not in a case, I'm not nearly as worried about damaging one of those as I would be, you know, a wooden instrument. Now, I guess my next question for you is if you're gonna be traveling with this instrument, or let's say, you know, you just kind of have it out, the, in, for wooden instruments, you are dealing with all sorts of variables when it comes to the weather, when it comes to the dryness, to the moisture in the air. Um, do you find that to be the case in these 3D, 3D printed violins? Um, like when you are at CES, I mean, you're going from Cleveland right now, it's, it's winter 2022, and you're going to a very dry climate in Las Vegas. Was there any difference that you had to you know, make adjustments to the bridge or to the strings? What, what, what's your take on that? So... These do not fly bridged. I just pop the bridge down because, you know, these are easy enough. They have a little line on them, even designed so you know where to put the bridge. Um, but basically when I got there, I popped the bridge in, retuned them and I was fine. Um, the, you know, temperature wise, I mean, I brought this one in from the outside after carrying it here, you know, it, they aren't, you know, gonna warp. They're not gonna have splits, cracks. You're not gonna have all that if it gets really cold and then you bring it in somewhere really warm and then really well on it, you could maybe break it. But I mean, you'd have to like, re you have to be using it as a hammer basically. 
Yeah, you have, have to be, be using a lot of force. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, for outdoor things in the summer, I mean, it's plastic. It, it's also not going to have that same converse, you know, warping with the humidity. Um, plastic's a little less susceptible to that, especially because the body is printed in one piece instead of in like 20 pieces of wood. So you just don't have the joints there for it to split. Right. You don't have the multiple... Uh, multiple pieces of wood to, you don't have to the, worry about the that. baseboard to the purfling and all that stuff and the, yeah which actually leads me to my next question because you know a lot of violins as violin is still on the violin podcast there's a sound post inside and there's um and based on the violin that you showed me you know with traditional violins we have tailpiece that's lifted off based on a button but there isn't there isn't that what um what inspires you behind the behind the design process to kind of leave those things out well th there isn't just one sound post there's actually two um, oh there is, is. Okay. Thing. there are two sound posts inside this is not just hollow there is geometry inside um and the second sound post is because you couldn't put a bass bar in and we you know the luthier and imax and i sort of looked around figured it out and two sound posts actually got rid of a lot of our problems and it made the violin stronger um you know, they're, they're standard diameter sound posts. They're just positioned a little differently to allow for the difference in material. Um, and why no, you know, factory tailpiece and why a 3D print tailpiece? I mean, it was easier. Um, again, it's, it's not on that durability. It's having to post-assemble fewer parts. It's nice. Could I make one without the 3D print tailpiece and then just you could add a factory-made store-bought one? Sure. Um, wouldn't be really any harder. Um, just and at this time, I was like, that's one more part for me to have to remember to deal with. So throw it on the violin works just fine. Right there. I think that's great. I think you're trying to make it, um, just very easy to use, which I really appreciate exactly. especially, especially for such a young audience for a quarter size. I also want to, and actually, actually, since we're talking about those two sound posts, the, what was very interesting to me is that, you know, strings can only hold so much tension right and then when you mm -hmm. put the tension down normally if there's no sound post then the violin will collapse because of the strings and all and the bridge and all that stuff and how long did it take for you and your team to go from design to production for to a prototype um when when you're discussing with the luthier about these ideas and trying to go f and trying to figure out how to be cost efficient and make sure that the that the customer is satisfied with the sound and everything like how long did that take between the design and the, and the production so this project started in april of 2019 actually um and you know there was some base modeling there was some playing around with actually the hova design to see well how is this and it ended up you know we looked at it and we're like okay we just need to redraw this um there's too many changes, you know, we printed a couple of different versions and we were like, mm. again, it's okay, but we can do better. So redraw it from scratch and then start, okay, what's everything that needs, what are all the critical dimensions? So Luther's like, okay, you need a sound post here. You need this dimension from the top of the F-holes. The F-holes need to be this wide apart. You need to have this length of neck. You need to have this angle. You need to, you know, and basically you, you put all the critical dimensions in and that basically designs the violin for you for the most part.
And then you have a little bit of variance for like, obviously this is actually a bit wider this dimension than a normal quarter size. That's for resonance. Mm -hmm. um, this C doesn't dip in as far, normally dip into about there. Um, again, they're all things to accommodate acoustics without having a vastly strangely shaped violin, still keeping that, you know, basically figure eight body. I do notice that there is no chin rest. Is that intentional or is that something that, or the chin rest is pr uh, pretty much to the, to the personalization of the, of the player where it's like, okay, if you, this is the chin rest that I like playing you with, got it. I could just, Oh really? Okay. That's I, I had a figure. Yep. Cause there's like 50 or 60 different shapes that I've seen just on Google. Um, that's true. Yeah. There, there's shapes. so many, there's like, it's like over, it's like information overload with all these chin rests. There's so many. <laughs> and they have, you know, those adjustable clamps that you can change the height. So, why, why should I, why reinvent the wheel when everyone has their own preference and there is no consensus on a part? So what I, what yeah. I like, what I like about what you're saying is that there's a lot of custom, there's a customization despite the fact that, you know, it's a 3d printed instrument, you know, you can still choose sure. your, you can still choose your strings. You know, you can still yeah. choose the bow that you play on. You, you, you can choose whatever chin rest you, you use. Although it would be very interesting to see what the sound would be like if it was like a 3D printed chin rest. I don't know. Um, You still have to put a little piece of cork between them and it still sounds fine. It's, yeah, sure. you know. Um, yeah, and there's also customization, the colors you print it in. Um, that gives you some difference, you know, pick whatever you want it to look like. Um. And we can customize the tuners a little bit. We have a couple different types that work, but I mean, they're just open machine guitar tuners. It eliminates the need for fine tuners and you can just tune all from the top, which, you know, for a beginner, that's a lot easier. Right. And for a lot of beginners, I, I can't tell you how many times I had to spend half my lessons during the, you know, while we were all in lockdown during quarantine. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I had to show the parents how to tune a, uh, a peg. <laughs> and you know because we're dealing you know we're dealing with the climate and the humidity especially you know right now because it's winter a lot of the wood is acting funny and then the pegs slip so i i'm glad you i'm glad you thought about that little detail too so even if it's exposed to humidity dryness heat cold you are the guitar tuner essentially makes it makes it very stable now i do want i, I do definitely want you to talk about uh I do definitely. I don't think that's correct English. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, I want you to talk about the material in which the violin is made out of. Because it is a 3D printer, and a lot of our listeners don't know exactly what material you're using to help create this instrument. So I was hoping you can speak a little bit on that. Sure. So um, this is printed in a plastic called PLA, which is the acronym for a polylactic acid. Um, it's a specific subset of them. Um, and basically, you know, test the plastic, make sure it works, make sure it has all the properties you want. Um, and it's printed with a process called fused deposition modeling um, or fused filament fabrication, I believe is what the other acronym stands for, FFF. I, that's the community one, FDM is a trademark of Stratasys, I believe. Um, but basically what that means is you have, think of it like sort of like a hot glue gun, you have a hot metal piece with a hole in the bottom and you're feeding plastic into it and that hot metal tip is on uh two different axes of motors and belts and it just sort of is moved around by a computer program and as it raises up you get a violin so it's 
The body is printed standing up, the neck is printed laying down, and the tuners are added and it's popped together. That sounds so simple, but I'm sure when you're designing a thing, like <laughs> I would be like, what, what's all this code? What is all these geometric stuff? So, and you have to use like a special computer software to be able to design it in, in house. And then you kind of transfer it over to the machine, right? So you use one, I use one software to design it, a second software to prepare it for the printer. So you change it from uh, one file type, the, the CAD, the computer design program pushes out into lines of machine code, um, you know, just one, two, three, a couple hundred thousand lines of machine code that it just gives it simple, go here, go there, go here, go there. You know, you remove and it basically slices it into a bunch of 2D files and it just runs them one after the other. Yeah, I think that's such a cool idea, but I also wanna ask what made you lean into more 3D tech than carbon fiber because there's all there's a lot of carbon fiber instruments out there and they seem to work pretty well so i have you ever thought about combining 3d tech and carbon fiber or have you specifically chose 3d for a specific reason because of cost efficiency like what, what, what were your um deciding factors sure so carbon fiber is sort of a different process generally there is 3d printing of carbon fiber I have sort of been toying with the idea. Um, it's very abrasive on the machine though. You have to do a, a lot of, you know, upgrading of whatever you're running carbon fiber on and it eats through all your parts. Um, very corrosive. Um, carbon fiber until it's properly treated, annealed, cured, et cetera, is also not necessarily as stable. Um, certainly if you have a carbon fiber violin that's formed and that's, you know, layered, pressed, that's made in a completely different matter, much actually closer to how a wood violin is made. But to get that sort of unibody um, design that, we, that I'm using, um, carbon fiber isn't quite there yet, at least not the technologies I know for it. So it's, it's not saying I'm never going to do it, it's just saying right now- At this moment. It wasn't the right choice. Yeah. And also your company's called 3D Music. So I think, I, I mean, I think that gives you, I, that gives you like such a wide spectrum of possibility. It doesn't have to just be 3D oh, tech. Yeah. It could be, it could be potentially be carbon fiber when the tech, when the technology advances a little bit or the machines are able to handle that a little more. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. I've, I've never had an engineer on the violin podcast before <laughs> creating. Well, I'm happy to be here because I've, I've had luthiers talk on the violin podcast, but it's interesting to come from an engineering perspective. What were some of your, um, what were some of the shocking moments that you discover as in to taking it from the idea to, to the physical model? Like what were some of the interesting aha moments that you notice that we, like we as violinists would never even think about? So, I mean, you as a violinist would probably think about, let's say, oh, my violin is most vulnerable here, here, and here to splitting. Whereas I was like, okay, how do I prevent there from being anywhere for it to split? So there was stuff like that. So, you know, you sort of have to take the problem and then turn it into a statement to basically say, I will fix by doing. Um, so there's a lot of that. There was a lot of, you know, a lot more math that went into it than I would say your, um, 
you know, your average everyday luthier to get all the acoustic calculations for plastic, you know, it vibrates at a different rate, it resonates at a different rate. Um, but actually where it ended up being very similar is as there were issues like, you know, a wolf in a certain place or something, you know, any of your weird harmonic tones, the luthier solution in wood did actually translate pretty well to plastic once you had the base parameters all tuned. I find that to be fascinating um, that even for a plastic instrument, you would still have wolf tones, especially well, most commonly on the G string on the instrument, like when you're in uh, fifth or sixth position. Um, I guess my, my next question is like, because you use different types of wood for an instrument, you use spruce, you use maple, you use ebony, you also use yep. all sorts of different kinds of woods. Was there a moment where you had to use different thicknesses of plastic throughout the entire violin um, to make it vibrate the, and sound the way it should? What, what, can you tell us about that? Sure, there's, there's definitely varied wall thickness um, between the sides and the front and the back, certainly. Um, the neck is 85% solid. I mean, it needs to be because it's actually what's holding a lot of the tension in the strings. If you sort of think about it, you don't want it to sort of bend forward. Um, but I mean, there was, there was a lot of thought into like, okay, how do I make this strong enough, but still keep it light enough and keep that resonance. And there's a certain thickness at which if you pass plastic doesn't really want to resonate anymore. Um, and I mean, that also affects you know, those wolves, those other tones. I mean, I think that the one I've got next to me pretty much has those all solved, except there may still be a wolf in ninth or 10th position on the D string. But then again, if your kid's going up to that position. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah that'll be, kind, that'll be kind of interesting. Teams. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But I, I mean, I, I, I want to try one. I want to try playing a 3D instrument. I think we'll have it's to so send cool. one your way. Definitely, yeah. I would love to do a review on the YouTube channel too, just to see like from a, from yeah. a violinist perspective. I think that'd be amazing. I guess a lot of the problems that we have, you're trying to solve. Like for instance, like you know, if if you're if you're watching on the YouTube channel, if you have, if you're looking at the violin that I have, like the top part and the bottom part, and then the shoulder, all connected via glue, right? but you're trying to it's like a, kind of like an entire unibody and yep yeah i'm one i'm curious to know how the the uh if the, the, the if the neck is like s slim and smooth to to move up and down the fingerboard i wonder if i wonder how that is so i mean uh, there is a bit of smoothing that goes into it it gets a light glass filing so you know um it is smooth after being made. It does come off a little rough. Um, the fingerboard itself is actually pretty smooth just coming off the machine because of how we print it. But this edge is the actually the one we end up cleaning up. Um, I like the fact that it's all one piece, like the the, the neck, the the fingerboard, the, the peg well, you box. Can see it. You can see the joint right there. Yeah, right that there. is, that is, yeah, I can see how you connect that. But I like how it's very, it's just simple, you know, like with the, the making of a violin has, various parts to it different woods yep. it's also very expensive to get those woods and if you're if you're a bow maker then all of a sudden you have to deal with per, getting high quality pernambuco wood which is like a completely different beast in and of itself but that i mean this is really cool uh matthew they, what you're trying to do i don't think anybody else that i that i see or know of is trying to do 3d printed instruments um how can people find you on on the web and how can people learn more about your instruments 
Sure, so they can find us at 3dmusic.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at 3D Printed Music. Um, yeah, that's where to find us. Yeah, and be sure to be sure to send Matthew a message if you have any questions. I definitely, you know, definitely will try to try to get my hands on one for, as um, for a full size violin and try to you know help Matthew out in terms of the the full size violin three D three uh, D printed music niche. I think there's definitely a market for it. I think there's a lot of I think what makes it so difficult for beginners or families is the, the, just the pure cost of music education in the United States. And if you're listening from abroad. Um, a lot of music education is privatized. You know, you have private music schools, you have, <clears throat> um, you know, you have government funding for nonprofit organizations and whatnot, but sometimes the funding is simply not there to buy high quality instruments for everybody. But, you know, Matthews, what is, what he's trying to do is have nice quality sounding instruments at a, a decent affordable price. So I think, you know, I think that's, that's something really cool that what you're doing is trying to reach an accessible audience for everybody. Uh, Matthew, I really want to thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. And again, I'll leave all the links to uh, 3D Music down in the podcast show notes. So that way you can just click on them and get to know what Matthew is doing along with his team. So Matthew, thanks so much. And thanks for everybody for listening to the Violin Podcast. Really, really appreciate it. If you like this episode, please make sure to hit the subscribe button and also hit the notifications. So that way you get notified for when new episodes come out. And uh, yeah, leave us a rating because it really helps us a lot. Uh, to provide more great violent content for you. So again, thank you so much and we'll see you next time.